Four Corners Church exists to provide families in North Cincinnati their greatest opportunity to become fully developing followers of Christ. We hope that this week's episode encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We would love to hear from you. So at any time, email nextsteps at fourcornerschurch.com, and we look forward to connecting with you. Thanks for listening. What's up, Four Corners? Happy 4th of July weekend. We miss you. There's so many of you we haven't been able to see, we haven't been able to keep in contact with. And I just want you to know that you are missed, that you matter around here. Church was never about these walls. Church was never about attendance. It has always been about community. And if there's anything I've been reminded of during the season, it's been the importance of community. So thank you for being a part of our Four Corners community, for being a part of what the life and heartbeat of this church is. Is. And I also want to take a moment and I want to acknowledge and honor Pastor Ben Hodges. This has been a season unlike anything any of us, I'm going to tell you, any of us ever thought that it would be. We've had to make decisions with no playbook. We've had to push forward, not knowing what the future was going to look like. But I'm telling you, I believe our church is going to be stronger at the end of this than the beginning because of two things. One, your faithfulness to the leadership of Pastor Ben. I'm thankful for him. So if you would do me a favor in the comments right now, would you just say, thank you, Pastor Ben, or throw up a fire emoji? Or if you have no idea what emojis are, just throw up something in there just to say, thank you, Pastor Ben, for your leadership and the way that you are continuing to lead through a global epidemic. So we're so thankful that you're here with us. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read just a couple of verses, pray, and then we're going to jump into it. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We pray one more time. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the moments that we have together. I pray that you would speak, whether we are in the building or whether we are at home. I just pray that you would speak right now. Do what only you can do in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, how many of you uh, will participate in this message with me? Because usually you're in the room, you can kind of raise your hand, you can kind of laugh, you can kind of get involved. I need you to be involved. So here's what I need you to do. I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and if any of these pertain to you, just put your hand up, just put yes, put something in the comments right now, okay? So first question, how many of you are married to someone who you would consider a jokester or a prankster? All right, come on, put it up in the comments. You know, you can go ahead and, um, you know, say their name right now. Like, who is it that, you know, is it Tim Fry, right? I mean, who is the jokester or prankster, right? Maybe you're not married to someone. Maybe you have a sibling who is a jokester or prankster, right? Is that you? Put it up in the comments. That's me. Yep, hand up. That, that's me. Or maybe, maybe it wasn't a spouse. Maybe it's not a sibling. Maybe you just have a friend who is a jokester or a prankster, right? Go ahead and put that in the comments right now. Chances are we all know somebody who's a jokester, who's a prankster, who loves to do uh, funny things, to create uh, funny moments. And in the Antley household, we are discovering who our prankster is. Her name is Braley. That's right, Braley, technically my firstborn. She's a bit of a jokester. She loves to play pranks on her entire family. So here's an example. Uh, over the last few months, something that she's enjoyed doing is sending her dad, me, on wild goose chases. So what she'll do is I'll be looking for, say, my keys. 
And she'll say, oh, daddy, I know where they are. I put them in the closet. Oh, great. Thank you, Braylee. And I go and I walk to the closet. And of course, they're not there. And as soon as I open the door, Braylee erupts in laughter. She thinks it's so funny. So I'm like, Bra- Braylee, Braylee, where are my keys? Ah, oh, daddy, I was just playing. They're up in the playroom. So then I walk all the way upstairs. I get to the playroom. And of course, they're not there. And Braylee laughs even harder. And she will do this over and over and over until I'm finally like, Braylee, that's enough. I need my keys now. But she loves playing pranks. She's also the same daughter who will throw a blanket over her head and walk out of her room when she's not supposed to because she thinks that you can't see her if she has a blanket on. And if you acknowledge that, hey, Braylee, I see you, she does what all three-year-old girls do. Uh, They giggle and she runs back to her room, right? But just a couple of nights ago, two nights ago to be exact, she did a completely new one. She played a prank on her sister, Kinsley. So my girls are like most kids. They don't enjoy going to bed. We put them to bed. Braylee had been awake for about an hour, kind of reading books, playing in her bed. And she got an idea. Here was the idea. If I convince Kinsley that it's time to wake up, we can get up. She's three. So what she does is she flips the light on. She goes and tells Kinsley, Kinsley, it's time to wake up. Braylee starts putting her morning clothes on, taking her jammies off. Kinsley gets out of bed, starts putting her morning clothes on, and they're getting ready for the day. And of course, Whitney and I hear the commotion. We come in, you know, what, what is happening? To which two things happen. One, Braylee burst into laughter. Kinsley burst into tears, right? Like somehow Kinsley had believed that it was morning time, as we say at our house, and it was time for her to get up. And afterwards, I began to think about this, and I was like, how in the world did Kinsley fall for something so silly? She'd been in bed for only an hour. It was pitch black outside. They have a sound machine that changes colors when it's time to get up. There were so many things that pointed to the fact that it was not morning time, but yet she was so tired she believed it. See, and here's something that I've realized in my life. The more tired I am, the more likely I am to slip into some bad habits, the more likely I am to do some things that I shouldn't do. And as I talk to people, as I talk to many of you, as I talk to friends, as I talk to family members, as I talk to people in my neighborhood, we're tired, right? I mean, there are so many things going on that are causing us to be tired, and not tired like in the past. Like, it's a new type of tired. Like, I don't know if I've ever experienced the type of fatigue I have now and the type of fatigue I'm hearing from other people. There's so many things. We're trying to keep up with what's going on with our economy. We're trying to keep up with what's going on with the pandemic, and it seems like all the experts who know much more than I do disagreed. I don't know who to keep up with. We're tired because things at work have changed. Things at home have changed. Things with our kids have changed. Things with our spouses have changed. And it's constant change. And there's this new fatigue, this new tiredness. That it just, man, it's hard. And you see, I asked if you would engage with me this morning. I'll be honest. I'm telling you, I'm tired. But if I'm not alone, would you just put it in the comments right now? Man, I'm tired. Maybe you could put a hand up. Maybe just put yes. But man, Are you tired? Because I'm tired. There's so much going on. And the thing whenever we get tired is we begin to fall into some things that look a lot different than what the Bible says. I mean, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Take my yoke upon you for it is easy and the burden is light. Those are three words that I would not use to describe this season. I would not say that it's restful. I would not say that it's easy. I would not say that it's light. Would you? 
There's not one part of me that says, all right, I've got, I've got plenty of rest, I'm good. There's not one part of me that says these decisions are easy. There's not one part of me that says these burdens are light. It's actually the opposite. They're very heavy. This is very difficult, and I am very tired. Maybe some of you at home, you're experiencing the same thing. You, you are working so hard. Maybe some, some spouses who stay at home, you're working so hard to take care of the home, and you're working so hard to manage things for your spouse, and you're working so hard to keep everything up for your kids that you're just tired. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you would say a question similar to what I said. I say, what I'm about to talk through in the next uh, 20 minutes or so Fingers crossed. What I'm about to talk through about the next 20 minutes or so is my personal journey that I am still on. Because over the last few weeks, I've read scripture like this and I've wrestled with it. And the question that I've been asking God and the title of my message is, where's my rest? Where's my rest? If you want, go ahead and put that in the comments right now. The title of the message, where's my rest? Because maybe you're like that spouse who's just tired. And when you read this scripture, you would ask the same question I would ask. Where's my rest? Or maybe you're that employer who's working so hard, you're staying up late hours at night, you're getting up early, you're doing everything you can to keep the business afloat, not just for yourself, but because there are employees and families who depend on you. Where's my rest? Or maybe you're someone who uh, is the employee and you've had to take on added responsibilities and you had to take on added hours and everything has changed, but you know we're all just trying to survive and I'm afraid that I might lose my job and so I'm working and I'm working and I'm working and I'm working and I read these scriptures and you might ask the same question, where's my rest? Or maybe you're a student who has had everything taken away. Prom was taken away. Graduation was taken away. Your sports season was taken away. And you know that your parents are stressed. And you know there's a lot of issues going on. And instead of trying to complain, what you've done is you've just been bottling it all in. And it's exhausting. And it's stressful. And you have no idea what your future looks like. Where's my rest? Or maybe you're someone who's older and you're afraid of getting a very real illness and you're afraid of the impact that it may have on your life, on your loved one's life, and you're just, you're kind of huddled inside and you don't know what's next and you don't know what to do and you read scripture like this and you ask the question, where's my rest? You see, I think that's an important question that we've got to wrestle with is where's my rest? Because we're tired. I'm tired. And when we get tired, there's some very dangerous things that happen. There's some very things that we have to be careful about. You see, Jesus wasn't just telling us that he was offering us rest so that we would feel better. He actually began to offer us rest because he knew the dangers of being tired. So what are the dangers of being tired? You see, Jesus never said that life was going to be easy. He never said following him wasn't going to have trials. He never said following him wasn't going to be difficult. This scripture isn't an escape from those things. It's actually Jesus saying that even when you're in trials, even when you're in a global pandemic, even when things are tough at home, even when things are tough at work, even when things are tough at school, I can provide you rest. But you see, so many of us are not experiencing rest. What we're experiencing is extreme fatigue, extreme exhaustion. We're just tired. You see, but there's some dangers to being tired. We know a story of uh, Jesus, right? Jesus was the ultimate rock star. So we, we find in all four of the Gospels that he's going out. And he's doing incredible things. Everywhere he goes for three years of ministry, people are flocking him just to touch, you know, his garment. They could be healed. He's healing people, right? He's teaching lessons. He is walking on water. He's doing thing after thing after thing after thing. 
And then it comes time for him to be crucified. And it says that what he does is he has the last supper and he goes with a couple of his disciples and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Most scholars believe this is sometime between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. And everybody's so tired. His best friends, he just told them that he's about to die and they're exhausted. It says that they fall asleep three times. Three times these guys were so tired that they couldn't stay awake with their best friend, their leader, their mentor, Jesus. And it says that Jesus prayed the same prayer three different times. And here's the thing that he prayed all three times, and you know it. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. You see, what happens when we're tired is a temptation comes. And the temptation is to live according to my will and not his will. So I want you right now in the comments to write, the temptation is my will over his will. The temptation is my will over his will because whenever Jesus was exhausted, after three years of ministry, physically he's exhausted, mentally he's exhausted, spiritually he's exhausted, knowing about what he's, have to, what he's about to have to endure. He wasn't tempted with fame. He wasn't tempted with sex. He wasn't tempted with riches. He was tempted with living according to his fleshly will, not his spiritual will. And it's the same thing that happens to you and to me, that when we're tired, the danger is we're going to be tempted. And what we're tempted with is living according to our will and not God's will. So, so you know this, right? This isn't something that is mind-blowing to you. We experience this every day. There's three categories that we could list off right now. Number one, a way that we live according to our will and not God's will is discipline, right? Whenever we've had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, what do we love to do? We love to eat, we love comfort food. We love the ice cream. We love Cheesecake Factory. Hello. Like, I mean, we love to eat food. Usually it's junk food. Usually it's dessert because it makes us feel better. COVID-20 around the waistline is a real thing because during this season, we stop living according to good discipline. We live to bad discipline because it actually makes us feel better right? Uh, or maybe exercise, right? You used to exercise a lot, and then now that all of this has happened, you're more tired and you're more exhausted. It's so much easier to say, I don't want to run. I don't want to lift weights. I already feel bad enough, right? Like we know this. Our disciplines seem to fall out whenever we are tired, but also not just our disciplines begin to fall out, but also our emotions, Right, You can be having a great day and then one negative comment on social media and you are furious. Right, Like, how dare he say that? How dare her? She has no, I, I cannot believe that, right? Or you're home and your kids are playing and they accidentally spill a cup and water goes everywhere and you just lose your mind. I mean, all they did, they're, they're five. They knocked over a cup of water and you go ballistic. Because emotionally, we're, we're, we're out of sync. How about this? Morally, we begin to fall out of sync. It's interesting. I read an article, a secular article from John Hopkins University. And, and here's what they concluded. They did this survey of people and wanted to see the results of what tiredness, what fatigue would do on people. And the, the final results they had is that people who are tired are more likely to lie, to cheat, and to live unethically. The article goes even further to say, not only that, but, but people who typically live ethically, they found that whenever they were tired, they were drastically more likely to make decisions that were unethical. See, what we know as followers of Jesus is that whenever we are tired, what we begin to do is we don't live according to his will. We start living according to our will. 
So maybe you're like me, and man, your, your, your disciplines are out of whack. Maybe your emotions are out of whack. Maybe even just, if you'd be honest enough to say, my, my morals have gotten out of whack in this season because you're tired. That is a direct result of the temptation, right? The temptation that the enemy will do is he'll say, I see a bunch of tired people. They are exhausted. They are fatigued. I will make it as difficult on them as possible. So when that moment comes, they will have to make a choice. Are they going to live according to their will or are they going to live according to God's will? And so you and I were being tempted with that every single day. That's why talking about being tired is important. So we all know that we're being tempted with God's will over my will. We know that. We believe that. I highly doubt that any of you are disagreeing with me right now. So here's where the rub begins to come into place is we take that and we read these scriptures and we begin to ask God a lot of questions, right? I don't see you working. I don't feel you working. Why are things so difficult? Why are things so heavy? Why are things so, um, uh, why am I so tired? We begin to ask these questions and they're good questions, but they're not the right question. You see, point number one was the temptation is my will over God's will. Here's, here's point number two, the question. The question is pretty simple. The question isn't, why is this happening? The question isn't, why is this heavy? The question's pretty simple. The question is this. If God promises rest for those who follow him, am I following Jesus? Let me say that again, because you might, you might have missed it. The question is, if God promises rest for those who follow him, am I following Jesus? You see, right now, some of you, you're probably a little frustrated. You're probably like, how dare he? Somebody probably just threw a shoe, right? Like, I cannot believe he just asked this question. This is the question that God put on my heart when he said, Joseph, if you are exhausted, if you're not experiencing rest, are you actually following me in this season? You see, here's what we believe, right? We believe that all of God's promises are true. That's kind of foundational to our belief that everything he said is true. We can't just kind of pick and choose because if one thing, one promise he gave isn't true, then the whole thing falls to pieces. So if he promises, 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 the very character of his nature says that he has to fulfill those promises. That's what makes him God. He's the ultimate authority. And so if God says, if you follow me, you will experience rest. If you follow me, the yoke will be easy and the burden will be light. And we're not experiencing that. And the question we have to ask is, am I following Jesus? Because if I'm following Jesus, I should be experiencing these things. But for many of us, we're not. And the reason is we've made following Jesus a list of rules and ethics and things to check off the list. He said, I will follow Jesus on Sunday. I will follow Jesus by uh, doing a few good things. I'll serve. I'll give. I'll um, give to nonprofits, right? I'll be a good person. I'll be a good dad. I'll be a good mom. I'll do some good things. And as long as I do those good things, then I'm following Jesus. What I love, I've been reading this book by a pastor, John Mark Comer, and, and he says that when it comes to following Jesus, following Jesus isn't something we do. Following Jesus is a lifestyle, and the problem is many of us have made following Jesus just something that we do, and we forgot that it was never meant to be something we do. It was meant to be a lifestyle that we live. It should affect every part of us. We know from Acts that the early followers of Jesus, what marked them, what they were called, is they weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. 
which meant that they lived a way that was different from everybody else. They weren't marked by a couple of good deeds. They weren't marked by the church they went to. They were marked by the way that they lived their life. If Jesus did it, they wanted to do it. If Jesus said this should happen, then it should happen. If Jesus ate this, we should eat this. Their entire lives looked like the life of Jesus. But for many of us, our lives don't look like the life of Jesus because that would take too much time. That would be too difficult. It's a lot easier for me just to do, just to be a Christian that does things as opposed to being someone who actually follows Jesus with my lifestyle. You see, I'm a dad, right? You guys know this. That's not something that I do. That's my lifestyle. Everything that I do is predicated on that truth. Every decision I make, I have to think through, how is this going to affect my children? How is this going to affect my wife? Every dime I spend, I have to think through, how does this affect my family? There's many, many times when there are opportunities to come up to do things, and I choose not to because that will interfere with my relationship with my family because it's a lifestyle. It's not just something that I do for two hours a week or for 15 minutes in the morning. It's every part of who I am. And so I wonder if you would be honest and ask yourself the same question that I'm wrestling with in my own life. Am I just doing things for God? Or am I making my life a lifestyle after God? You see, what, what a lot of us do is we say, you know what, I'm going to do some good things. I went to church for two hours, and I did my thing. Right? Some of us, we say, you know what, uh, whenever bad things happen, I always pray, and God shows up. All right? Some of us are saying, you know what, I'm better than most people around here, so that's good enough. I'm going to tell you, I think that God is really pressing me, and I think he's really pressing the big C church right now to let us know that the way we've been doing things are not his way. We're literally so tired and so fatigued, and we have more time than we've ever had, and the result isn't anything that God has done or has done wrong or is missing. The result is simply that we are not living our life after him. We're just doing things for him. And he said, listen, if you follow me, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So point number one was the temptation is God's will over my, or I'm sorry, is my will over God's will. And the second point is the question is if God promises rest, am I following Jesus? The third point that I want to get to and we're about to draw to a close is it's pretty simple. We have the temptation, we have the question, and now we have the solution. So what's the solution? Well, next week, we're going to get into the details of what it means to have a lifestyle that follows after Christ. But right now, what we're going to do is we're just going to talk for a moment about the solution. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. It's pretty simple. The solution isn't more to-dos. It's more time with Jesus. Go ahead and put that in the comments right now. The solution isn't more to-dos. It's more time with Jesus. That's the solution. Oh, got it. Simple, easy enough. But we have to make it a lifestyle that looks like that. So I want to point to you what happens whenever we begin to spend more time with God instead of trying to do more for God. So there's a story that we know that's very familiar. It's in Luke chapter 15. It's a story of the prodigal son. We know this story. It's a son who takes all of his wealth. He goes and squanders it on wild living. He comes back to his father. His father embraces him with love and with grace. He throws this big party. And it's an incredible story, incredible imagery of the way that God interacts with us even when we walk away from him. It's awesome. But there's a second son in this story that I think we overlook a lot. The second son was tired. The second son, while the, while the first son went away and was living the wild life, he was chasing girls, spending money, doing everything, he was living the dream. The other son stayed, he was working. 
He was working every day out in the fields. He was working every day to help his father. He was working every day to keep the family business going. He was exhausted. You know how he, you want to know how I know he was exhausted? His brother came home, they threw a party, and he immediately went ballistic. He got angry. How dare they throw a party for him? I've been here working all these years. It says that he was so upset that he wouldn't even go in the house. That's how upset he was. Man, that is somebody who was tired. He needs a nap. Amen. Like, I mean, he is exhausted. By love, what we find here is the father comes out to him. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 31, it's pretty simple. He tells him that, son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You see, whenever we spend more time with Jesus, whenever we begin to focus less on doing things for him and more for just being with him, what we, what we, uh, what we fail to realize is there are two important things that we get that we need and they're pretty simple. There are two things. Number one is we get his presence. You see, we know that God is omnipresent, right? Like we believe right now in this moment that God is with me and he is with you at home and he is with the people in these chairs and he is with people who are watching um, on their phones. Maybe they're um, on vacation or something somewhere. We believe that God is omnipresent. He's with everybody. You see, although God is with everybody, he is omnipresent. Many times we are unaware of his presence because we're so busy. We've got so much going on. We're so tired. But you see, when you choose to spend some time with him, you become aware of his presence, and his presence is what we need in our life. The second thing that the Father says is, not only am I always with you, but everything I have is yours. See, when we choose to spend time with God as opposed to just doing things for God, not only do we get his presence, but we get his gifts. I'm going to tell you the thing that I need in my life and the thing I believe you need in your life are the gifts of the Spirit. I need wisdom. I need leadership. Man, I need discernment. Man, I need healing. And those gifts are readily available to those who follow him, to those who are with him. That's what we need in our church. That's what we need in our homes. That's what we need in our marriages. That's what we need at work. We don't need more to-dos. We don't need more tired people. We need people who are willing to say, I'm going to spend moments with Jesus. So next week, we're going to get talking to what that actually looks like. But to sum it up very simply, are you tired? They're going to be tempted every single day with my will over God's will. The question you have to ask yourself, are you not experiencing rest? Well, if God promised it to those who follow him, are you really following him? And the third thing is the solution isn't more to-dos. It's more time with Jesus. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray for us. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your word and your truth. God, I believe that when we follow you, we can experience rest, even in a season like this. That, God, you're not promising an escape, but you've let us know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. That, God, what we are going through, we do not have to experience alone, but you want to be with us and to help us through it and to give us your gifts that we need strongly in this season. So, God, I pray for fathers. I pray for mothers. God, I pray for friends. I pray for brothers. I pray for sisters. I pray for teachers. I pray for employees. That, God, you would be with us. But God, I pray that as we spend time with you, as we begin to focus in on you this week and next week, God, you would be with us. Make us aware of your presence. Make us aware of who you are and the gifts that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Four Corners, you know that before we leave, we believe in taking next bold steps. So there's five steps that you can take right now. If you haven't already, you can text CONNECT4C to the number 94000 and get some information. There's five steps. Step A, 
is I would like to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. If you have not done that during this season, maybe you're just now turning to the Lord for the first time. Maybe you walked away a long time ago. This is the time to do that. And if you let us know, you can do bold step A. Bold step B says, listen, I've been wanting to get baptized. I think that this is the time. I'm excited. Let me know what I've got to do to get baptized. That's step B. Step C, I believe, as we try to spend a little bit more time with the Lord this week. Step C is I will memorize Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. I will memorize Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Memorize those this week. Dive into those. Meditate on those verses. They're powerful verses. Or bold step D says, listen, I'm tired. Would you pray for me? What I want to do this week is I want to pray for you. If you are tired, if you are experiencing exhaustion, you are not alone. I am right there with you. We would love to pray with you. All right. A bold step E is, hey, I've heard about a lot of events here in July. Would you send me the link so that I can sign up and engage what's going on this month? We'd love for you to participate. If you're comfortable doing that, we at bare minimum would love for you to know what's going on. You can check bold step E. So now what we're going to do is we're going to pray over the offering. There's several ways that you can give. You can give um, via text. You can give online. If you're in the building, you can give. But I want to pray for that right now. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for those who are taking bold steps. Thank you for the offering that we are taking. God, I just pray that you would continue to multiply it, continue to do what only you can do in our church, continue to do what only you can do in our community, and continue to do what only you can do in our world. I pray that you would take our bold steps. I pray that you would take the dollars, the cents that we give to you, and God, you would, uh, uh, you would take it, and God, you would do so much more than we could ever do with it. God, we thank you. God, we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining in today to the 4C podcast. If you took a next step or you'd like to receive prayer, go ahead and email nextsteps at fourcornerschurch.com and we look forward to connecting with you. Thanks for listening.